so, you know, you get in any subject like this and you think you, you do know a lot about it already. And uh, one thing that I love about Kate is he is so organized that he actually had this subject ready to go for me, oh, what, a month ago? Maybe even more. Yeah, two. And uh, so what that enables it, me to do is to, you know, when you're at work and you're just kind of sitting there, it gives the Holy Spirit time to kind of, you know, work it through you. And you'll find things that you thought you knew that you may not have known. <laughs> or the, or I should have said that the other direction, where you thought you knew it, but then it turns out to not be accurate. <laughs> so as I was going through this, I took a very... Uh, uh, an unusual approach for me in that uh, the subject was God wants you wealthy. And I said, and rather than just making any assumptions, I said, does he? Does he really? So I figured, well, let's just start from the beginning of this. And I, I discovered some really interesting things. Okay, and as always, as I get started here, we have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. That's the only way that you can do it. You can't interpret Scripture with your feelings. You can't... Well, lots of people, uh, we get in the habit of, of interpreting Scripture with experience. Well, my Aunt Maud, she, was, she went to church every week, and then this is what happened to her, so then that must... That isn't how that works. Everything has to be done by Scripture. So what I did is I went in, uh, and I'm going to go through a bunch of Scriptures, but I'm not actually going to have Ethan bring them on the screen uh, because there's just too many. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read them, and then if you want to listen to me later, like on the website or whatever, you can do it that way and write them down. Or if you really want them, I'll just give you a list of them all. But there's a bunch, and so we're and they're not crucial that we that we tear them apart individually quite as much. So I went into Deuteronomy eight eighteen, and it says, "You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth." that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. So I got to thinking, well, I, I see that in, in the Bible over and over and over and over in the Old Testament. You see guys getting enormously wealthy. Uh, you might say to me, well, of course, uh, David and Solomon, well, they're sure, <laughs> they were. In fact, here in a little bit, I'll tell you just about how wealthy these guys were. But it was a bunch of people like Joseph. You remember how Joseph, they, they threw him in jail. Uh, before he knew it, he was running the whole country. And why was he running the whole country? As it turns out, later we find out that he was running the whole country because there came a famine, and that particular country was the only one that was warned by the Spirit of God to be able to provide sustenance for that whole region. Several countries, in fact, and it ended up his family showed up needing a handout. The same ones who threw him into jail, basically. So there's a, in Genesis 39, 2 and 3, it talks about Joseph, and it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the, his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, all right, so at this point in time, we, we can kind of tell what the, what the first scripture in Deuteronomy was talking about when it's talking about, it's really about the covenant at this point, okay? God has a covenant, and he's saying, if you are underneath my covenant at this point, this is the Old Testament, that uh, you, you know, wealth just kind of comes on you. And we'll see that. We'll see that in, uh, in uh, 1 Chronicles twenty two fourteen. Listen to this. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million 
talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant, I have prepared timber and stone also that you may add them. All right, now, any time that I see these old measurements, I, you know, how many of you guys have ever uh, been to, to England and they talk about, like, you're five stone and three ounces or whatever? Like, what the heck? So uh, they still use that. I don't know if you've been over, but they really talk about stone, really? And I think it's like 14 pounds, one stone, something like that. Well, so uh, those kinds of things make me curious. So I looked them up. And uh, one gram of gold, for us, costs about 38 bucks. And a talent, we're, we're, there's a little bit of scholarly disagreement, so I actually went a little bit low on this. They're saying that a talent was about 33 kilograms. All right? So at current market value... David was worth just in gold. Each talent was $1.4 million. Each talent, and he was mentioning there that he had 100,000 talents. Okay, so the, we're, we're talking trillions. We're talking like $1.5 trillion. So I looked that up just for fun, and uh, it turns out that that is exactly as much gold not exactly, exactly, but very, very close to what's in Fort Knox right now. So basically, King David had enough money. And now, here, think about this for a second, too. <laughs> that the gold is constantly being found. New gold is being found all the time. So all of the gold that wasn't here during the David's time would mean that he probably had somewhere around half of the gold in the entire planet that had been discovered. So he actually, that country that he was running, was the financial power for the entire world. Okay, That's prosperous. <laughs> that's pretty wealthy. Well, that was just saved. Well, let's, uh. so Solomon comes along. And uh, in 1 Kings 10.27, the king had made silver and, as common in Jerusalem as stones. That's in 1 Kings 10.27. So basically, oh man, somebody get all these all this silver off of my lawn. This stuff is just absolutely useless. All this silver lying around. Let's just get rid of it. Let's just throw it out. You know, so Just uh, tell your kids to come get it. And if they'll make a pile in the backyard of all the silver, just do that for me. That way I won't have to worry about it. We'll get it out of the way. Okay, that's the level of wealth that they were dealing with in those days. Now, here we go. So clearly, God had no problem with that wealth that was given to David and Solomon and Joseph as part of their covenant in the Old Testament. But there's more. But wait. In 2 Chronicles 17, the Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth. And here in a little bit, Hezekiah had very great wealth in Chronicles 32, 27. And then in Psalm, wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. So, here's the thing. It seems like, just from that attitude alone, that the Old Testament is, is in direct contrast to the ways that most denominational churches view money. Okay, so we're looking at that, but then and then you go, and, and it's true, the Old Testament. Now, here's the funny part. I got into the New Testament, and the New Testament seems to have 
a whole different attitude towards money. It's, it's a whole nother view of, of money. And, and here's, here's, here's what I mean. So if you go into Matthew 13, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then again in Timothy, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then in Revelations, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not in anything, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And in Luke again, 16, 11, so if you have been truthful, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So, we're, we're looking at it, and, and don't forget the rich young ruler who came along. Remember him? When Jesus was, he was out, he was doing his thing, and this rich young ruler comes along, and he actually says, well, I've, 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 for my life, I have done everything that your law requires. Of course, that was Old Testament. We've, I've done everything that your law requires, but what would you have me do? Now, Jesus could actually look in, you know, and, and he had the discerning of spirits to the point with, with the Holy Spirit that he could tell that this young ruler, uh, his hang-up was money. <laughs> all right, so he tells the guy, he says, all right, well, I'll tell you what. You go ahead and you give up all your money and uh, give it to the poor and then follow me and then, uh, then you'll be on the right track. And because he loved his money so much, he couldn't get, he couldn't, go away from that. So what we're seeing here is that in the New Testament, whereas the, in the Old Testament it was a covenant thing, where as long as you were under this covenant, wealth is guaranteed to you in some degree. When we get into the New Testament, what do we see a shift. What happens when this shift? It, it becomes less of a legal thing, and suddenly it shifts, and the covenant becomes more of a son thing. All right, so what I mean by that is would I give my son, well, actually, my son's pretty good with money, <laughs> but would I give him a whole lot of money and just say, you know, do your thing with no instruction? I would not do that. It would, it, it would not be good for him if I did that. The New Testament is switching, and it's saying, you know what? It's a character issue, this money thing. And here's, here's some interesting... Uh, uh, some interesting Statistics show 70% of lottery winners end up broke, 70%, 7 out of 10, and a third go on to declare bankruptcy. Hmm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. So not everybody, by by this point, we realize that not everybody knows how to handle money. Is it that... God didn't want them wealthy? No, they just didn't have the understanding. They didn't have the heart issues in order to hold on to them. Well, here, let's go a little bit further. So in 2009, Sports Illustrated did a study of the former NFL and NBA players. Right? And, you know, they make a little coin, they do. This is what the study showed. After only two years of retirement, two years, 
of NFL players were either broke or struggling financially. Within five years of retirement, 60% of the NBA players were broke. 60%. That is a bunch of folks. So what we're seeing here is that the new covenant is a sonship or daughtership covenant. Okay, this is, this is a covenant that has to do with, with blood, sure, because Jesus, Jesus gave us everything that we did not, that we lost when Adam transferred it to, Sa- to Satan. When Jesus went and he took the cross, took all of that stuff, went, to, went down, took care of the whole shebang, took the keys to death and hell, came out, was resurrected. At that point, he owned everything. That's how he bought it back. When he bought it back, then he handed it to us. Okay, so we have all of the wealth of the world, but can we actually handle it? (laughs) All right, that's the real key. I am convinced that Mr. Kyle Montgomery right here will be a very, very wealthy man. I, I have no doubt that that anointing is on him, that as he learns his chops, what he's doing right now with his family, and, and uh, his family, of course, is involved in this wisdom, that uh, as they work as a team and as they develop under the Holy Spirit's guidance, they will get to the point that they're very wealthy. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, the whole goal of wealth was what? To establish the covenant among the nations. Uh, people uh, from all over the King of Sheba, Queen of Sheba, she showed up and, and visited. Uh, all of these people would come from all over the world just to figure out what these guys knew. And really all it was was just the anointing from the first covenant. So now we have a second covenant. And in a sense, it's kind of, in this regard, in my opinion, it's kind of harder. Because basically, you're responsible for the attention and the development and the use of your wealth. But why, you ask? (laughs) I'm so glad you did. Uh, In Proverbs, of course, Proverbs, you know, have you ever noticed that it kind of transcends covenants? It's it's like wisdom that goes, it's immaterial. I mean, it's it's law, (laughs) right? So it it doesn't matter which covenant. So Proverbs, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Oh, <laughs> that means for us, that means that if there is an unrighteous person out there and he, is, and he has a lot of wealth, that that's actually stored up for us because we know how to handle money in a loving way. And what's really one of my goals, seriously, one of my big goals for my financial future is I want to be able to leave an inheritance for my children's children. Now, I've been through my dad passing, and he, you know, he didn't, he, he was great in every way except money. <laughs> the guy just, I think it was, his dad just never taught him. So, I've, I've made it a point to deal with Ethan in these areas, but he didn't leave an inheritance for his children's children. My uncle, who you may have known that I've, uh, I've been dealing with, with his estate, uh, he did in a sense, leave a pretty good inheritance for us that will directly impact Ethan. And uh, I want to do more than that, though. I want to take it a whole nother level. 
So in 2 Corinthians, it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So then in all things, oh, here, I'll tell you what. Let's do the amplified. Let's do like my wife would do right here. <laughs> 2 Corinthians uh, 9.8. There we go. A whole lot more words. All right, 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. This is the essence of the New Testament's attitude towards money. This is it right here. Remember, it was in the Old Testament for the establishment of the covenant for all of the nations. Now it's individual. Now it's heart. Here we go. And God is able to make all grace, which means every favor and earthly blessing. Okay, so anyone who says that they need to be uh, in poverty, this pretty much dispels that myth come to you in abundance. Okay, now, here's the thing. A lot of the people, when they think, oh, abundance, they think, well, I'm, you're storing it up all for you. No, 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 no. In fact, uh, Dave Ramsey likes to tell this story. Uh, if you ever get a pond and it has no outlet, what happens to it? It goes septic real quick. It starts to stank, and it gets some scum on it, and it gets nasty, and nothing can live in it, and it becomes worthless. So really, the whole point of us having money is not for us, although we do have abundance. So that you may always, how, how, just sometimes, this, this is an old Pentecostal church thing, isn't it? How do no, just sometimes, people, always. Sort of like that God is good all the time. All right, so this is, this is what I want you to realize, that, that, that we're not playing here, and there is no interpretation. There's no gray in here, okay? Come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need. Do we have any gray in there? It's pretty solid. It's saying pretty much everything. It's, it's a whosoever but with money. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, a, it's a, for everybody, all the time. This is, this is what he's saying. So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to co- require no aid or support and furnished in abundance. And here we go. Here's, here's the clincher right here. This is what it's for. For every good work and charitable donation. All right, now it is, it is my goal one of these days that when... Uh, no turning back comes to us. They go, you know, we need to build a house. I'm saying, all right, done. Uh, I've got, you know, you you get your builder in touch with me with your your uh, with your guys, and and we'll we'll see about that. Okay, really, and I know that that's on everybody's hearts too. I I know that that is something that, especially in this church, we're pretty good at giving. Seriously, I mean, how many churches can the, the pastor let's give, and before we know it, we got like three times what we needed. Now, how, how often does that happen in, in even larger churches? And that, that's, that's unusual. But the church needs to be wealthy and to give, to not become stagnant. But you have to develop into the ability to handle the wealth with the Holy Spirit's guidance, because he's not going to give it to you if it's going to crush you. He's a loving father. And I will tell you, 20 years ago, I had no clue about money. And now, I am solidly in abundance. And it is only because of him. It is. It was not my own wisdom. In fact, I had to shed all of mine. Mine was pretty worthless. In fact, Dave Ramsey even showed me some more worthlessness. So I said, I was like, yeah. 
So I found out how little I knew real quick. And the, but here's, here's, uh, here's what the Holy Spirit told me uh, while I was researching this, and this is one of the benefits of uh, having the whole week. Uh, if in, in this particular church, we do have a little bit of a problem in the past with not being able to receive very well. Okay, we give great. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we need to learn how to receive. If you cannot receive, then you cannot be wealthy. I mean, think about that for a second. How exactly are you supposed to get it into your, into your household if you are not able to receive? Uh, some people in here have been taught that it's charity and that it's negative if somebody gives you something. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, the person that you're receiving from probably needs to give and knows that you're good ground. So by not receiving from them, you're actually inhibiting them in receiving what they need for their future provision. Okay, now one day, uh, Dave came up to me one day, and he handed me a Ram jersey, and that blessed me. It did. I mean... uh, It did. <laughs> this happens to me when the spirit comes on me. Uh, it, it does. It does. It does it to Darla too. It, it, wait till you see Darla get going on this. She'll start to go and waver. You guys probably don't remember the old Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, Rob, <laughs> got a few. All right. So, and that blessed me. And when when I receive gladly from him, that. He gets rewarded for that. Okay, so basically what Dave was doing there is he was lifting and he was developing his spiritual give muscles. Okay, now the more what the Bible says is the more that you know how to give and the more bigger your muscles get, he's going to give you a greater load or more wealth to distribute. So as we go forward in this church, when it comes to finances, it's not a prosperity message in the way that the negative messages have been presented before. It's really all about taking care of the body so that it can do what it needs to do. It's so no turning back can do what they need to do. It's so the women's shelter can do what they need to do. It's so we can supply them. We're giving them a blood supply of money. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we make it a point to submit to you when it comes to money, Father. And just deal in your wisdom for this, Father, that you'll change in our hearts whatever it is that we need to change so we that can be a blessing to everybody, Father. And we as a church commit to being great receivers, and we commit to continue to even exceed that our giving in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>